I'm just going to read the first, or 25 through 31. Is the context that we're looking at. We're actually looking at point three on six reasons to remain single. Um, the context is through the conclusion of chapter seven, and the the basis of this this chapter comes out of a question that was asked uh, in verse one, dealing with married and singleness um, after we've come to salvation. So let's pray and then we'll read the Word of God. Father, uh, I just praise you for this text. And Lord, uh, I beg you to teach my brothers and my sisters. Father, there is so much freedom in this. And yet, Father, that freedom will not be realized without... You're opening the eyes and souls of men. So, Father, I ask you to do that now. And Father, as we bow before your word, precious children, that we rejoice at what you have given us. To your praise and glory. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 25 through 31. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think that it is good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet, such will have trouble in this life. And I am trying to spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened. So that from now on, those who have wives should be as they had none. And those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice, as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy, as though they did not possess, and those who use the world, as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. It's an amazing text. I mean, understanding contextually in chapter 7, he's dealing with the relationship, whether it be single, married, whether you've been divorced, wherever you're at, your relationship in life, and yet he's dealing with it on an eternal plane. What am I looking at as far as being a Christian? What do I look at it as uh, I'm this new creation? How do I look at this in light of what's going on around me uh, and, and, and in society in which I am in? This is an eternal text. It really doesn't matter what stage of history you're in, this thing screams. Not only that, it is a deep truth of a loving God. He started it out in 25 and 27 is that remaining single because of the pressures of our society. Why? There is a present distress. It literally means violence. There is a violence that is taking place. 
Um, this was before Nero. This is before there was an outward persecution of the church. The Jews, Judaizers, were a little ticked off about the church, but for the most part, that was isolated in Jerusalem and Judea. Uh, up in Galilee area, it really wasn't that big a deal. But in Jerusalem proper and the Judean area, that tended to be uh, a little more violence to it. But as you moved out, this church is on the end of the Greek peninsula. As you got out into the secular world, as you got out into the civilized world that was under the control of the Roman authority, it wasn't there. It wasn't there. The outbreaks to date against Christians were mainly Judaizers. Okay? So, but Paul, seeing the proverbial handwriting on the wall, and I think at times you and I miss that, because it says that my flesh is at enmity with the Spirit of God. There is a war that goes on inside of every Christian. It is unrelenting. My flesh, wanting its pleasures... And the Spirit of God showing you His blessings. And they clash all the time. Clash all the time. And it's through the grace of God and through the body of Christ with the giftedness of the body of Christ that we overcome that. That we have the ability to use Paul's words to walk in the Spirit. And he says society pressures us. Let's be realistic about it. Does it? Does your society pressure you? Does it make you waver in your things of Christ? Absolutely. When does it stop? When they bury your butt. <laughs> That's when it stops. They plant you about six feet down and you know what? I win. <laughs> okay. But it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. I listen to people who try to explain spiritual maturity and all the rest of it, and I just kind of snicker at it. It doesn't stop. The man who says, the woman who says, I don't fight my flesh, has deceived. Is deceived. And, and I hear people wanting, well, we need to take this, and we need to go do spiritual warfare, and we need to bind Satan, and we need to go punch Lucifer in the nose, and, and we got to go do this, and, and all the rest of it. I said, go ahead, knock yourself out. All right. I get up with the devil. Me. Not my wife. You guys ain't falling for that one. So I wake up every day with a war. With a war. Okay, and if you guys want to go fight some demons, go for it. Happy for you. So when we think about these things, we need to understand this. Okay, why? He says, I think it would be better... One who has been trusted by God, when he makes it that this is my opinion, this is not what the Lord says, he says, I can't quote exactly Jesus said this, but a person who is like this with Jesus, I tell you, you will save yourself a lot of heartache if you stay single. Okay, the second reason was, verse 28, problems with the flesh, the problems with your humanness. Humanness. <laughs> I, I, I hear people make this statement. <laughs> I think I had this conversation with somebody this week. Because it's interesting because I'd already been... Re I haven't wrestled with this because I just chuckle at it. It says, I need to die so that Christ will be Christ in me. So all they'll see is Christ. Let me tell you something. You ain't Christ. On your best day, 
you ain't Christ. Impossible. Why? First John says that in him there was no darkness. You know what that means? The effect of darkness had no effect on Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. In you, is there effect of darkness? Oh yeah, I stumble around in the dark. Right? Come on now. Some of you guys, oh, I don't stumble around. I just don't get up when there ain't no light. Uh, but just, okay, then I won't deal with another problem. But do you understand that? Our goal is to do what? To be conformed into the image of Christ. But do you know what will happen in that? You won't change. We're not going to be a bunch of 33-year-old males running around in heaven. You understand that? You've got to get a hold of that. He made us as individuals as the stars. So even in I am responding as Christ, I am still Terry. You've got to get a hold of that. It isn't we're all going to walk around like Jesus. You can't do it. And it's some of us because so grouchy about it because that's what you're trying. And I'm thinking... You know, I look at some 33-year-old males and says, I'm thinking Jesus was better looking than that. Okay, now I don't tell people that because certain honesties is better kept to itself. But, and, and, and I remember a professor one time said that we will all be 33-year-old incarnate males in heaven. And I said, well, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I mean, nothing personal, but I thought women are kind of fun to look at. I mean, it's not in a, a bad way. I mean, God made us all different. And, you know, women are just sometimes more fun to look at than some men. And I thought, how boring would heaven be? Okay? And, and I did have did an opportunity to discuss this with the man. And he said, oh, yeah, I believe you're right. I don't know if he changed his teaching on it. But anyway, our flesh, in verse 28, um, when... When two people get married, the two become one. Okay? That's what God said. Right? Have you ever seen a man and a woman who are married and happily married? Okay? Now, I'm not talking about the nasty ones. I'm talking about the happily married ones. Go ask them, is there any time that flesh has raised up in that wonderful union between those two people and caused trouble. Okay? Okay, just ask them. If they say no, run away because they're lying and God's going to hit them with lightning. Okay? The best marriage on the planet Earth is still got trouble. Okay? How do I know that for sure? Simple. I know Christ's bride. Christ is only perfect. How's his bride? I'm thinking that between the groom and the bride, there's trouble. Wait, think. Right? If that's a picture where we are here on the planet Earth, what do you think? Am I right? And he says, you know what? Your flesh, you bring two people together in the union that God has created, guess what? There'll be trouble. And then we get brilliant and we have little troubles. Okay? A herd of troubles. A flock of troubles. Whatever you want to call it. Okay? And then you've got 
Trouble everywhere. Right? Right? I mean, why does the proverb say that a nagging woman will drive a man to the roof of his house? Why does it say that? But I thought the two had become one. She's one and you're out. <laughs> you're upstairs. Okay, and when I want your one, I'll call on it. No, but do you see what I'm saying? Okay, you've got to understand something. Because you're saved, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you have this perfected flesh. And now I can just join into the relationship and everything will be happy. I got news for you. Every one of you who are indwelt with the person of the Holy Spirit this day, you and I are one. But I'll be honest with you, there's days I don't feel like that we're one. I'm not even sure that we're a dozen. (laughs) I don't know what we are. Okay? So, I see people who think that if I have this problem with relationships, or maybe I have, I'm burning with lust, or if I'm doing this little problem over here, or in this financial situation, if I get married, I'll fix that problem. No, you won't. You will only magnify that problem. And you'll share it now with another poor sucker. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> Some... Poor human being, you are just brought your affliction upon. Okay? And that's what it is. That's that, that's that dying to self. Listen, dying to self is not an easy process. And what I have learned in dying to self is there is a serious bunch of complaining that goes on. Again, take you back to Proverbs. The nagging woman will drive you to the roof. Why? Because some people are dying to self and some aren't. Alright? Which brings me to my next text. All right, verses 29 through 31. Okay? The passing of the world. I really have been praying diligently for all of you this week that you would hear this. Okay? Because the Apostle Paul, this, this may be one of the most profound things that the Lord has shown me from the Apostle Paul. Now, if you guys all knew that and you were aware of what I'm getting ready to share, act like you're surprised, <laughs> okay? So I don't feel like oh, everybody knew that and I'm in pushing the buggy. Um, he uses a phrase here that literally is that the time has been shortened, okay? The time has been shortened, okay? What the heck is he talking about, all right? Now, remember what contextually the seventh chapter is dealing with marriage and singleness okay and right now he's leaning real hard that i think you should stay single if you're gifted okay he says but the time has been shortened look at in the middle of verse 31 all right i want you to see this for the form of this world is passing away you know what the word form is in the greek schema schema uh You use the word the scheme or the system, okay? The schema is passing away. What's his context? Marriage. And he's saying marriage is doing what? It is part of the scheme of this world, but I have shortened it because it is passing away. Did you ever think about that? 
All right, I'm going to make a statement here, and I've got a little thing here that says, be nervous, be afraid, be very afraid. Marriage has no relation to the permanence of eternal interests. Okay? I've had young couples, young thinking about marrying couples and some other things, and they talk about the Lord comes soon, I would like to be married when the Lord comes, and then this question pops up. Are we still going to be married in heaven? And I've shared with a few the truth of scriptures, and they are extremely disappointed. Okay? Um, I've shared with some who've been married for a long time, and they can hardly wait. (laughs) We won't go there. Um, There is no marriage in heaven. Please understand that. How long does heaven last? Eternal. Okay? So let's say for some crazy instance, you end up being married for 50 years. Take the timeline of eternity... Put 50 years on that timeline, how does it show up? It ain't even a dot on an eternal timeline. Okay? Now, the Mormons, they've got a really complex marital thing um, that uh, your spiritual husband goes, and if he really likes you, he gives you a, a special name that only he knows. And I'm thinking we should implement that. But the... Talk about mind control. But they, you call them up, and then if you've been good dear on this planet, then God gives you this little planet, and you can become the father and the mommy of this whole planet, and life is hunky-dory. It's, real more, it's way more complex than that. I like to keep certain things simple. Then, have, you, have you guys ever heard of Reverend Moon? He believes, uh, some will say he claims to be uh, Messiah. The truth of the matter is he claims to be the spiritual parent of all people. And he believes in these things that are called celestial marriages. And so when he has these big marriages where thousands of people, these are not your everyday marriages. These are celestial marriages. And these are the people who will get to keep their wives and their husbands for eternity. Okay? Both of those is hogwash. Okay? The Bible says, no. You're not married. You're not given in marriage. That is so much poo. That's all it is. That's silly. But people spend good money. Do you understand the Apostle Paul is making the statement that marriage is part of this passing schema? Schema. If you're married for 75 years, it's no big deal. Okay? But look what he does with this. He's got weep, rejoice, buying, and use of the world. Okay? I liken that to human emotion, human possession, human pleasures. Guess what? They're passing. It's only part of the schema of the world, the system of the world. It's passing away. It's all part of this system and it's going to be gone. Not only that, he says, the time has been what? Shortened. Shortened. The word is karyos. It means the appointed time is set. The appointed time is set. 
God has set out an appointed time. It has been shortened. It literally has been rolled up, is what it means. I've rolled it up, and here's the conclusion. So what you're seeing is, when you think about marriage, you need to understand that marriage is just this schema. It's part of this system. It's just that long. What are the eternal values of marriage? Let me give you the the, the great... Zero, zip, nada. There's no eternal. There's nothing eternal about marriage at all. Well, but you can... You'll have little disciples. How do you know getting married and having kids guarantees the salvation of them children? I can't give you a biblical text for that. Well, but you can... God gives disciples. You don't go get disciples. And if you think you're going to marry, therefore I'll have a built-in disciple, uh, that's not in the six reasons to marry that I gave you. So you're in trouble anyway. There's an allotted time in this world, and it is brief. It is extraordinarily brief. How brief is it? Our brother James says it's a vapor. Just a little time, guess what happens? Vanishes. Think about it. Think about it. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do tomorrow? Have you got plans for tomorrow? And I'm going to do this and this. And people ask me all the time, you know, what's on your slate? Slate. I don't have slate. Ain't that for pool? Have you ever thought about it? I'm going to do this and this and this and this because Monday is the beginning of the work week or whatever you're doing and all the rest of it. How do you know Jesus doesn't want you in his presence at 115? Today. How do you know that at midnight tonight, he says, church, come home. How do you know that? Well, but I've made, really. Okay. This is a passing system. It's a passing time. Now, I want to show you more about this because, you know, I keep thinking, who is able to say what tomorrow is going to be? Who knows what tomorrow will bring? You know, I thought about that young couple. They had moved from New York to Evergreen because New York, after 9-11, it kind of freaked them out. They were coming down into Denver, and a beam falls off the interstate, literally crushes them, and they immediately step into eternity, and it's all over. I can bet you all the money on the planet Earth, they didn't plan that. And they immediately step. Boom. There it is. Okay? And we all look at it and say, well, but that's... Really? 
You have a written guarantee of what? Okay. Your life is brief. Um, I, I love this quote. Okay, this is uh, Robert Murray McShane. And I quote, Life is a brief flickering candle that is gone with the first breath of God's divine wind. Unquote. That's all it is. Amazing stuff. Let's go look at some other stuff. Some of the other writers. James chapter 1 verse 10 says, A rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass, he will pass away. Do you get that? He's basically, and I know the contrast there is in humiliation and boasting and all the rest of it, but he's basically saying if you are the wealthiest person on the planet, understand this, you're no different than the flowering grass. And we here who live in Colorado know that flowering grass has passed, and we are now arriving at burnt brown. Okay, the summer is at full tilt, and green has left the building or the state. Okay, right? And yet we sit here today and we think, well, but you know, I'm going to da 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 I do need to get my deck done quickly though. Um, <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 24, Peter wants you to understand, for all flesh, which flesh would that be? It's like grass. And all its glory like the flower of the grass. And the grass withers and the flower falls off. I kind of thought I was more than that, didn't you? 1 John chapter 2, 15 and 17. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and then he describes it. What is in the world? Lust of the, eye, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Marriage is part of that system. You have a gift for singleness, Paul says. Then you had better exercise that as part of this system. Why? You don't need the marriage. You don't need to be married. I want to... Let's go back to our text. Well, let me give you another one. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Okay? I, I want to keep married people in here. I don't want you to start thinking, gee, man, I, you know... I woke up with my husband in the morning. I knew I probably shouldn't have been married, but gee, many crickets. I didn't know it was that bad. Um, I want you to understand something about marriage. Um, God has designed it. He invented it. And it is His will for many to be married. It is the norm if you really wanted to go there. Those who are married, Paul says in this letter, should be as they weren't married. Okay? Immediately. Some people go, the preacher said I can leave the bum. <laughs> no, 
It's not what he says. Okay? It's not what he's saying. Let me show you a, a text. Look what he says in chapter 3, verse 2 of Colossians. Set your mind where? Things above. Not where? Okay, where's your wife or husband at? Where are they? They're here on earth. Aren't they? Where should I set my mind? I asked the... Ooh, maybe I shouldn't say that. I was going to say the leadership class, but... I asked this group of guys one time. (laughs) It wasn't the leadership class. (laughs) I asked this group of guys, I said, Tell me what you can do to meet the need and please your wives. And ladies, if you want to know what the answer was, you have to ask them. (laughs) Okay? Because I know what the answer is. And my wife will tell you what the answer is. They call it zero, zip, nada. I can't do anything. It's impossible. Even if I make her happy at this moment, what happens in 24 hours? I wake up and realize it was a dream. (laughs) Okay? But when I set my affections, my longings where? What happens? My, I have two safeguard texts that I have memorized. I'd like to tell you I've memorized, but I have two texts that when I can cut through everything, regardless of what's going on around me, and I grab these two texts. These are, I guess, my life preserver. These are the ones that keep me out of uh, Elizabeth's line of work, okay, as a patient. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, two texts that I grab hold of my life preservers. One, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and 7. Okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Liam. That's not the one I want to talk about. Okay, the other one is Matthew six thirty three. Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness. What happens? There's a guarantee with that. He meets the needs of my wife. That's what He does. Ask her. Ask her. I mean, there's times when... (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Probably shouldn't share some of that. Okay? There's times when I keep thinking that whatever she did in a prior life must have been horrible because she's been cursed with me. Because <laughs> I've tried to help. And there's times, have you ever had this problem, guys, or girls, where you see that precious gift of God and you see that, that they are struggling and they are hurting. And so therefore, dun, 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 I will fix it. Okay, and you feel like iodine on a razor cut. Anybody experienced that? Okay, you try to help that precious bride or husband that you have, and all you do is make it worse. And then it escalates, and you think you're at DEFCON 10, and nuclear devices are going to be detonated soon. And all I wanted to do was help. What did you set your affections on? What were you seeking? And so what happens is you have this nuclear explosion in the house. You go outside, you seek His kingdom, His righteousness. They come back together and realize that God said, I've taken care of it. 
right? It said, you know, Colossians is a phenomenal book because it says, men, you are to do what with your wives? Love them. Where do you set your affections? Things above. Things above. You can love your wives and at the same time keep your priorities. Takes you back to the text. I want to show you this because this is cool because there's a balance here. I want you to grab a hold of it. What is he saying here? You who are married as if you're not married. You know what he's saying? Hold loosely to that. Hold loosely to that. How many people get into a marriage relationship and it becomes dependent on one another? How many? I'm going to say in Christendom today, 100%. That person becomes my happiness. I, I've never done that. But, <laughs> okay. I've, I've never been anybody's happiness. <laughs> I was people's happiness when I left. <laughs> uh, he left and I'm happy. Uh, but I've seen it before. But I've seen couples who are so immersed in each other. And we all look at them and think, God, they just so love each other. And they just so like this. And I look at it and say, what are you doing for the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I'm loving her and she's loving me. That's it. Where are your affections? Here's what's tragic about it. What if God says, I want that one home now, and you've got another 20 years? What happens? But you've just been told that the schema of this world is doing what? It's passing away. I heard a person one time saying, I hope Jesus doesn't come back because I haven't been to the Caribbean yet. It's water. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty when you fly over it, then you have to land and there's them people again. But that, you know what I'm saying? Why do we grasp? Now watch, because this gets better. Because he gives five perspectives that I want us to look at. Marriage is one of them. He gives marry, marriage, weeping, rejoicing, buying, and what I call worldly pleasure. Why? It's all part of the passing schema. Okay? Don't attach yourself totally to the marriage. Is what he's saying. But I can't believe he's saying that. I can. Why? That marriage is passing. Not only that, he says time has been shortened. Here's what Louis Palau said. Quote, people have become so super attached in marriage, you can't get them to do anything in serving the Lord, unquote. Think about it. Well, my husband doesn't want me to, my wife doesn't want me to, and what happened? What'd you do? This is it for me. This is the person. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold on to this. This is mine. This is a gift. This is a gift from God. And I'm not sharing with anybody. Leave me alone. You know what God does? 
He'll take your fingers, and you can hold it like that, and he'll take your fingers one at a time, and he will pull them apart like this. And he says, now, I love you, and you're either going to loosen up, or I am going to loosen this up, and you ain't going to like it. Guess what? He loves you so much that if you are attached to your wife or your husband too much, he can fix that. I see couples who become idolatrous to one another. And you know what they do for the king? Nothing. Louis Palau is speaking about some stuff that was going on in the mission fields. He says, we have had so many opportunities. God opens the doors that you can see God working. But it's different than the married couple planned on doing. And there would be a separation of that couple. And they would not go because they did not want to leave their spouse behind. And he says, moreover, most of the time, if the spouse goes with them, there is a great tragedy befalls them, and they will find themselves disqualified for further missions work. I met with, uh, several years ago, Jonathan Olford, uh, Stephen Olford's oldest son. He... uh, Works out in Sacramento area or somewhere, I think. San Jose, I don't know, somewhere out in California, north part of California. And uh, he has a, 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 a company or whatever called Link Care. And basically what they deal with is missionaries coming in from the field who have been traumatized. And, he, and I said, so how is that? And he says in uh, the 10 years that he's been doing it, he's seen almost a 400% increase in patients. Okay, now, Jonathan is a clinical psychiatrist. Ta-da! Okay, and basically he said, and I kind of got on him about it. Well, actually he got on me. I, I was, they told me that I was presented as a, uh, a student of John MacArthur who is anti-psychology, and therefore I got my butt in a ringer, um, proverbial. And I said, you know, I just don't see men fixing men's souls. He says, well, then ask Answer this question. What do you do if the guy comes in, he's had two children killed, and his wife raped four times in front of him in the mission field? And you ask, can you pray? And he says, absolutely no. What do you do? And I said, I begin praying without ceasing. I don't know about you. (laughs) Okay? Just an interesting concept. But I just want you guys to think about this stuff. What happened? They're holding each other too tight. What happens if you have a missions trip that goes into a dangerous place? Your wife says, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. And you take her into this place and something tragic happens. How do you handle it as a man? And all you would had to say is, darling, stay here. How do you handle that? The Apostle Paul says, hold it loosely. Regardless what happens, hold it loosely. Look what else he deals with here. He says, those who weep as though they do not weep. Basically what you're looking at, don't get attached to human emotions. Don't get attached. And the men are all saying, I don't get it. You know what? Men are the worst. 
of being attached to human emotions. And he's saying, I don't need you rising and falling with what's going on in your world. Anybody here do that? What you'll find is that it is emotions. Emotions takes off. Job changes. What happens? Um, relationship changes. Somebody gets mad at you or somebody should have got mad at you or something, whatever. What happens? There I go. Loss of a family member. You know, I have seen amazing stuff in just the time that I've been here at Castle Rock. I have seen people lose a spouse and become absolutely useless for anything. I have seen people who were married longer than this one couple ever dreamed of, and there was a time of grieving at the loss of the spouse, and then the other one took that, the survivor took that and said, now I will start teaching Bible studies in my assisted living place. Why? He held lightly to it. If I am dependent on that other person in a marriage, what happens? What happens to that person? You know, sexual immorality is rampant. What happens if they break the covenant? The covenant of marriage. How are you going to do? I was just this week dealing with a woman who has been, you know, her statement to me, she says, I have always been a pastor's wife. Okay, my ministry has always been my husband. And God took him home. And she said, I spent two years, didn't have any idea what I was supposed to do. And I said, well, praise God that he opened his eyes. She's in charge of women's ministry in the lands of Russia. Eleven time zones. She's got to work it out for her. Okay? But she says it became so clear. Why? But she said, I had to understand that that part of my ministry was over. And now, Lord, what would you have me do? We do not grieve as those who have no hope. It doesn't say you don't grieve. But don't be mastered by human emotions. Do you ever think about this? We always talk about we're going to get a glorified body and all the rest of it. Do you know that all of your human emotions are going to be gone? Well, no, there's going to... Uh, 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 be careful. He says there will be no more weeping. Is he lying? Be real careful. Because we get in our minds that, you know, I'll be up there with this love and... and ha, 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 ha. You know, love is a verb, it's not an emotion. You've got to get a hold of this. And it's coming, he's saying, these emotions are part of the passing schema. The passing system. I see people who have the loss of a loved one and can sometimes adjust so quickly that it's almost scary. I've seen some who can't adjust, uh, and part of the problem is they haven't treated the marriage rightly. Hold it lightly. Hold the emotions lightly. 
It's loosely in my hands. When weeping comes, I can't be controlled. I I don't get overdone or overwhelmed with the emotions. Listen, men, we are bad at this. We are bad at this. If you oppress grief in your heart, it will manifest itself eventually as anger. What just happened? Instead of allowing the emotion to proceed and pass, I allow it to grow and manifest itself in another way. It's amazing. We all men are. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know about women. Sometimes I think women are too emotional, and then sometimes I think that's why they live longer than men. <laughs> okay. Do you understand that when it comes to weeping, when we get into heaven, there is none? It's just a thought. Thirdly, rejoicing. Uh, Don't get too happy with the system, with the schema. Don't get overjoyed with what makes the world overjoyed. Don't become a victim of the world's emotions. Don't become a victim or don't get overtied to worldly relationships, world relationships. Many of us in this room have friends who are not saved. Okay? But they can become an obsession. Okay? Many of us in this room have jobs. Okay, that is a relationship that is of the world. It is a passing system. How well does it manifest it? How much does it grab me by the head? Okay, don't get tied to world's emotions. Grieve, absolutely. There are things I look in life. You know, there are five infant deaths in ten days in Denver area. Infants abandoned. Children died. And I look at that and there's I have emotions. Do you understand that we who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are not creatures of this world? We're only passing through. We are beloved of God. Look at this fourth one. Buy. Those who buy as though they did not possess... Overoccupied with the world's commodities. Dun, 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 dun. Anybody fall into that one? Love not the world, neither the things of the world. First John, we already read that text. You are in the world. You are going to be a part of this world. Okay? Hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. How many people get into a tailspin when the stock market collapsed a couple of years ago, three years ago. Who are you tied to? What are you tied to? I mean, how many of us today, I'm not, how many are looking at retirement? Retirement is this thing. It's coming up. I got 62 and I get this much and I got to go do this or whatever your plan is and all the rest of it. What happens if that don't work? But I planned it all up. Ooh. Really? 
How tied am I to these things? How tied am I to my marriage? How tied am I to human emotion? How tied am I to the joys of this world? How tied am I to the possessions of this world? You know, I need a new car. I need an old car. I need a better car. I need a bigger house, a smaller house. I need this new. I need that new. I need an older one of these or antique this or whatever. What'd you just do? You know, I I think about us collectively as a body of people here in this church. Most of us have almost everything that this world has financially offered. We may be in debt to own it, but we've got it. You know what the tragedy is? That is probably all of our mental preoccupation. Things that I am meditating on. Think about it. Just to where I'm at right now. How much mental power do you give to marriage? How much mental power do you give to grief, the emotions of the human body? How much do you give to the fun, the pleasure, the leisure of this world? How much do you give to buying in this world, the commodities of this world, and the the owning of possessions of this world? We are more worried about our finances than we are our spiritual life. We even pay people to worry about our finances. That's the big thing now, financial advisors and things like that. I find that interesting. Because you know what? Whoever you hire, they are not worried about your finances. They ain't going to worry about it. They'll just say, whoops. <laughs> Sorry, you're broke again. <laughs> think about this. I want you to think about your finances. This is, listen, this book, 1 Corinthians, is dealing with your and my personal holiness. Ask yourself a question. How much time do I spend thinking about how to decorate my home? How much time do I spend thinking about how to decorate myself? What I'll wear, shoes. I mean, we can adorn ourselves in cars. Think about it. How much mental occupation do you give to that? How much do you give to spiritual reality, to eternal truths? That's what the Apostle Paul's just smashing right now. He says, there's nothing wrong with this, but... Hold it lightly. Hold it lightly. I remember one time uh, uh, a guy had a horse. And the vet was coming out. And he grabbed his horse and he had it on a bridle. And it has one of cotton ropes. And he takes that rope and he wraps it around his hand. And he's going to hold this horse. And I'm laughing. And he says, what are you laughing about? I said, that horse's head weighs more than you. Not only that, he's got this big neck muscle thing that if he wants to, he'll pull your hand off the end of your wrist. Why would you hold it that tight? He says, well, I never thought about that. I said, he ever gives you a big hoofta, you will. And he says, you know, I probably should hold it looser. And I say, Brian, idea. But what do we do? We grab emotions and we 
hang on to it. Don't we? Has anybody ever taken just a little bit of anger? Just a little bit, you know, when a mustard seed of anger and just grab that thing and nurture that thing and, and feed that thing. And what does that little anger do? Oh, look, a bumper crop. But you can do that. I've watched men who fall in love. Very stout men. Very confident men. Menly men. And they find a girl and all of a sudden, they come this thing. This, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, it's you bringing shame to the male population. Why? Because I'm in love. But what would you just do? I just locked on to it. I see people whose complete personalities will change because of this person or this person or this situation. What would we just do? We do it with our emotions. We do it with joy, the pleasures of this world. There's nothing wrong with the pleasures of this world. But ask yourself a question. How much do I spend in the eternals meditating? How much time do I spend on the pleasures meditating? Attached lightly. Okay, the last one, I, and I, you know, there's so many illustrations here that gets crazy. So I've got marriage, human emotions, human commodities. Do you understand they're all passing? They're all passing. Last, he kind of gives a summary there in 31. Those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. Worldly pleasures. Okay. You know why most people work today in this room? Worldly pleasures. We live to have a good time. I've never met anybody who doesn't. I mean, they may have a good time being miserable, but they live for it. Um... Some of us live so that we can do this, or we can do that, or we can go here, or we can go there. Um, We want to be busy enjoying everything in this world. And guess what you do when you do that? You're not much used to God. Okay, It doesn't mean the stuff that you see out there and the stuff that is out there for pleasure, it doesn't mean you take part of it. You know, I can go to the beach if you like the beach. You go to the mountains, go skiing. That is a no, I don't have any problem, and that's not what this text is teaching. But how many are obsessed with this? How many are obsessed? Have you ever thought about it? It's passing away. It's passing away. Okay, I used to have a, 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 a motivating factor in my human being that was this. Enjoy life, it's short. Which part? All of it. As quickly as possible, as fast as possible, as often as possible, um, wherever as possible. Let me ask you a question. Now listen, we live in a, a really cool place, right? I mean, I've seen snowstorms where you get like several feet of snow and by lunch you're out with the t-shirt shorts on thinking, I'm playing in the snow and it's about 60 degrees. 
Okay, and I mean, it is cool. Uh, I had a youth group friend, of, well, my cousin was here, and they wanted to bring their youth group out next year, and they said they was coming in July. I said, well, let me know, and if I can arrange it, I'll take you guys sleigh riding, sled riding. And they said, sled riding in July? I said, yeah. I said, I know where there's a glacier. We can, you can ski on it if you want to. And they said, in July? I said, well, in August. <laughs> said, September? <laughs> January? I'm going to well, I understand sometimes it's a big chunk of ice, but you will slide on it. I guarantee it. Um, you know, and, and that's cool. I mean, that's cool. You can be down here when it's like 100 degrees and what, in an hour, I can stand at 14,000 feet uh, in a snowstorm, freezing, thinking, great air conditioning, Lord. Okay, and I'm not against doing that. That's not what I'm saying. But ask yourself a question. How much preoccupation do I have with that? What are you holding on tight to? What are you holding on tight? Hold it loosely. What if God decides to send you to, I don't know, think a place? A nasty place. Biloxi. You ever been to Biloxi, Mississippi? Ain't nobody here from Mississippi, is there? <laughs> Oops. I mean, how would you? I'm going to minister where? I, I don't know. Just, you know, I, I think about Salina, Kansas. Last time I went through Salina, Kansas, at 10 o'clock in the morning, it was 104. They wouldn't allow the paving crews to work. And I remember going up 35, coming up out of Oklahoma, and I seen about nine cows all trying to get underneath this one shade tree. (laughs) And I mean, there wasn't a shade anywhere. And I thought, this is a horrible place. (laughs) Somebody left the door of hell open, man. It's just blowing right through Kansas. How much time in light of these things, the emotions, the marriage, weeping, or joy, buying in the world, how much time do I spend on those? And how much time do we spend ourselves on going and dealing with the eternal consequences? Let me take you back just a text to to think about something. Verse 12 of the third chapter of this book says, If any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it will be revealed by fire. Whatever you're holding on to, okay, whatever you're holding tight to, know this. There's a refining coming. Guaranteed. And whatever you're holding on to will be seen, will be revealed. If it's eternal, it'll be gold, silver, or precious stone. If it isn't, you're going to be sitting there grasping some hard earned ash. That's what he's dealing with here. I remember Dr. MacArthur make this. Now, he can say this because he's 62 now, but I remember him making this statement. Quote, I'd rather die at 40 and have used my life for, for God than live to 80 having done nothing for God. Unquote. It matters what we invest ourselves in. Okay, what are you grabbing hold of? Marriage? 
I mean, it's honorable. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with marriage. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with it. But let me tell you something. Right now, if you're not married, then you have been put into a place of singleness. If there's a gift that is there, a charisma from the Spirit of the living God, ask yourself a question. Am I investing that gift? Because if you're not, you won't when you get married. Attach lightly to the preoccupation of the world. It is extremely difficult to divorce ourselves from the world. Why? Look what the world does. We need this car. I was telling Matt last night, you know that they had a station wagon running the pace car at some race, NASCAR race down in uh, Fort Worth? A station wagon. Now let me tell you something. Nice station wagon. Hemi Dodge. I'll take that station wagon. Okay, but do you need that? Well, I need to travel. I need a car. I need an RV. I need an SUV. I need a Hebe. I don't know. Humvee. Whatever. We're into the initials now. We've decided we're not going to use a lot of time talking. We'll just give initials. Have you ever thought about that? Do you really? The world has done a wonderful thing that they've made new pleasures almost by the moment. And they'll sell it. And you know what we do as Christians? We've gotten so good at it now, we don't even say, I want it. It becomes a need. I need a vacation. I wonder if Paul ever thought that. Have you ever heard this one? This will make your life. When you get a brand new computer, get the best computer system that exists right now and it'll be obsolete in three months. So what'd you get? We have got to get, we have gotten really wrapped up in the whole preoccupation of pleasure. And everyone in this room is guilty. I mean, it may be uh, it, it may be new furniture, it may be a new TV, it may be uh, you know there's a big fascination with antique stuff. Let's pay fourteen thousand more times more than what they bought it brand new for. <laughs> hey, great idea! What did I think of that? Paul says, "I want I want you to be aware of this. I want you to pay attention to this. I, you need to understand the passing of this life, the passing of the schema. It's going away." And he's basically there in conclusion in thirty-one. He makes this statement: "It's passing away." And those who use this world as though they did not make. And he uses an interesting phrase: "Make full use of it." He's basically saying, "Yes, you're in this thing. Don't abuse it. Don't abuse it." Don't overdo your identification with the world. Use the world, he's saying, but not to excess. Be married, he says. Enjoy your marriage. Love your wife, your husband. Give yourself to that person. Absolutely. Keep your affections on the things above. Don't let 
that relationship get out of perspective? If it becomes everything to you, no use to God. But don't worry, He'll fix it. You know, I've had this and I've used this a couple of times. People have heard it. Heard me use it. We've talked about the footprints in the sand. And it says, you know, that they... We got two sets of tracks when I was walking and Jesus was trying to get my attention. Then there's one set of chests when everything was horrible and bad and he carried me. And we say, yeah, I just want to leave one set of tracks. Well, he'll put it to you this way. If you don't leave one set of tracks, you can leave drag marks. Okay? He will drag you kicking and screaming. We... Romans 5 or 12, 15 says, Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. But don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it be something that is an obsession to you. It's fine to have stuff. It's fine to have things. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I heard a person one time <laughs> talking about makeup. That, you know, makeup on women. Do you realize how waste of time that is and waste of money that is and all the rest of it. And I looked at it and I said, I've seen some women without it and I prefer they use it. <laughs> but don't let it become an obsession. Okay? Don't let it be this thing that just, I'm overwhelmed with whatever. Why? There's a new schema coming. Do you know that? There is a new system coming. There is a new world coming. And you know what? It is a really cool one. I don't have to overvalue human relations. I don't have to overvalue human emotions. I don't have to overvalue human possessions. And I don't have to overvalue pleasure. Above its true worth. There's value in it. Usually we put too much in it. Marriage can be a distraction from spiritual reality. Okay? So can sorrow. So can rejoicing. Okay? If you think spiritual reality is happy, happy, joy, joy, you're a fool. Okay? A new schema is coming. A new system. Now, I want to address you personally. If you're saved this day, let me explain something to you. If you're saved today, you are sons and daughters of the creator and sustainer of existence. And you have access to Him like Daddy. I remember when I was in Jerusalem uh, in the uh, um, Jewish quarter. and I, these, They were coming through and they have all these shops lined up along this side here. And you see these little kids would stop and look in these little toy windows like this and Mom and Dad would keep walking up through there. And all of a sudden this little girl would run up and go, Abba! And go running and pointing back that I don't know what she's saying, but something in that window she had to have. And I thought about that, that I have the ability to look at my Heavenly Father as Abba, Papa. Okay? 
Do you understand that the relationships you have right now are just temporary? And that you are being prepared to step into a place where you will only have an eternal family that is made up of God the Father, God the Son, and the Bride to the Son, which is every Christian ever. Living in absolute holy perfection only for eternity. Paul says, don't get wrapped up in the stuff that's passing away. Wait till you see the new schema. I want to give you one text. I want you to think about this with me. I want everybody to turn there quickly. Matthew's Gospel, the 6th chapter. Matthew's Gospel, the 6th chapter. That would be on page 8. What in the world? Sure enough, can you believe this dispensationalist wrote my Bible and he starts over in the New Testament. Page 1, page 2. I'm telling you, what a bunch of pagans. Ah, just kidding. Come on. Matthew's Gospel... Chapter 6. All of this. Marriage. Emotions. Or, yeah, human emotions. Rejoicing in this world. uh, Commodities of this world. The stuff of this world. Okay? Here's what I want you to think about the next time you think about these. Alright? I want you to ask yourself this. You've all read this, many of you, hundreds and hundreds of times. I just want you to read along with me, okay? We're going to start at verse 9. Okay, everybody with me? Alright, we're right there. Chapter 6, page 8. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your schema come. What else does it say? And where does it say? When you deal with your emotions, when you deal with buying, when you deal with the things of this world, when you deal with relationships, are you really willing to say, Your will be done in my life right now, He even here on earth? Right now. Here. Because you give him the accolades. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Amen. Right? Is that really where you want to stop? Your will be done on earth. On earth. So Paul's laying out for you. This is a passing world. Hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. Let's pray. Father, we give you the praise for your word. Father, we give you the praise for this world, even though passing. And yet, Father, you instill in your people an anticipation for the future. A hope. Christ in us. A hope of glory. A hope of a place of no tears. A hope 
of being in your presence, a hope of the absence of sin, a hope that is out of this world. Father, thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for relationships. Thank you for emotions. Thank you for the stuff of this world. Thank you for joy. Thank you for your provisions. Yet, Father, may we hold it loosely. May the passions of our soul, Lord, be your will be done in each of us to your glory and praise in Christ. Amen.